Landscape of Inquiry, Cozy Zone friends, Ben Weber here. This is the 50th episode of Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. I've been at this for a little bit now, uh, over over a year and a half since March, early March 2015. And, uh, you know, there have been some, some breaks, uh, but, but presumably there's been mostly forward momentum. And so here we are at this quite momentous occasion, 50 episodes. Thank you so much for listening and supporting and, and you know, to all the guests for, for inviting me into your cozy zones, for all you listeners. Thank you for, for downloading this, for catching it on your podcatchers and, and streaming it on the interwebs. It is very much appreciated. Thank you so much. And what, what a great way, uh, a perfect way to ring in the 50th episode uh, than with my, my best friend, Lisa Lacasio. I met Lisa when I was a freshman at NYU at Gallatin. Uh, we talk a little bit about that, and uh, I would say Lisa Lisa represents the this this duality that's been on my mind a lot. Uh, when when I say landscape of inquiry, of course I'm I'm thinking about the cozy zone. Uh, I'm thinking about that that place where we we feel safe and warm and and strong enough to to say the truth, to to look deep within ourselves and 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 dredge up those those honest things that that are on our minds or deep within our guts that that we might not say uh in in the rest of the places the sort of non-cozy places around us and i know lisa thinks a lot about landscapes and and nature and places that are real places in the imagination places in the heart and mind and memory and she she harnesses uh, an examination of these places to to dive deep within her personal self. Um, you know, she has attended a lot of artist residencies and and has scoped out kind of um, terrifying places on Earth, uh, in in California, in the American West, in Scandinavia, 
uh, and and harnesses these places to deliver us some juicy prose. Uh, Lisa is a writer. She's a professor of creative writing. She she is a doctor. She holds a PhD in creative writing from the University of Southern California, and she is she's a brilliant person. Uh, I I know very few people who can so effortlessly wield the the rhetoric uh, and dialectic of uh, academe um, with such uh, aplomb and effortlessness. She is also uh, a body person. She uh, loves uh, body horror and scatological topics uh, and likes to talk about porn and sex and poop and and all of the things that that make us animals, you know, make human beings, uh, you know, that render us these sort of uh, vile cretins, uh, despite our, all of our efforts to be these these lofty intellectual consciousness bearing souls. Um, and you know, I I think a lot about that. You know, we we are these erudite. Uh, belief having philosophy crafting uh beings but we are also base and disgusting and decaying and shitting and pissing uh and all of these things are are true at the same time and i i think that living a truly examined life uh welcomes this this dissonance this this tension this duality um and when I'm with Lisa, she she takes me into these places where I can hold, you know, the most uh, dense tracts of critical theory, uh, as well as, you know, trying to call her out on farting. Uh, I, I got the chance to live with Lisa uh, in the East Village in, in New York City. And uh, as long as we were living together, she never admitted that she farted ever and she would fart and they would be foul and it would, it would fill our tiny apartment with, uh, that, that particular fart stink. And it's also, you know, uh, covered in sort of perfume, the, the scents and oils and lotions that, that a a female person might, might use, uh, that, you know, society recommends that a lady might smell like. Um, so, you know, so it's ass plus, uh, maybe some sort of lovely Kiehl's lotion. Uh, and I, I actually, thinking of that smell now, just fills me with, with joy and nostalgia, not dissimilar to Proust's Madeleine, you know? Um, yeah, gosh, Lisa, I'm I'm so excited to to share this cozy zone. Uh, you're, you're a professor now at Wesleyan Lease, which is uh, exquisite. Uh, you're closer uh than you were when we recorded this cozy zone. This this cozy zone was recorded in L.A., but now you live in Middleton, Connecticut, uh, gracing the undergraduate students of Wesleyan with all of your your magic and your wisdom, friends. I am I am beside myself to give to you cozy zone with Ben Weber, episode fifty, Lisa Lacasio in the altar room, side A. Lisa. Hey Ben. Welcome to your cozy zone. Oh my god, I've been waiting so long. I know, me too. It's really good we're doing this. And we haven't seen each other in years. Almost two years. You're my best friend. 
You're my best friend. Where are we right now? We are in my study, the spare room in the apartment that I share with my husband, Tice, in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. And, uh, SMH. Yeah. That's what's happening. I'm shaking you're, my head. You're SMHing. Yeah. You SMDH? Uh, shaking my damn head? I, I'm not. I'm not quite there. Okay. But just like, regular uh, SMH. I mean, I think there's just an absurdity for me that you are living in Hollywood, California. I know. It has been a dream. And I mean that in every direction, including a nightmare. <laughs> but it was a dream to live here. And now I've lived here for seven years. And... It has been a dream, you know, once, 10 years ago, nine years ago, you and I went to see Inland Empire mm. at the IFC Center yes. in New York. I remember. And uh, Justin Thoreau showed up to read an introduction on behalf of David Lynch. It wasn't a midnight screening. It was late at night. I don't think it was midnight. Oh, God. But I, think I hope it was not. like 9 o'clock. Yeah. We had been to uh, Sarah Kramer's party. Oh, my God. You remember that? No. Oh, yeah. What was her party? So it was senior year. Yeah. And you and Sarah had had your thing. Right. And I've been weird about it. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. I apologized to her at the time. Yeah. And uh, your thing was not happening anymore, I no. don't think. But she had invited us to like drinks drinks at a bar in the west village oh you were yeah like, you were like you should come and i was oh, yeah. like okay it was really nice it was really nice yeah yeah, yeah. it was like a I, if i remember correctly it was sort of this strange like 90s 1920s yes kind of feel yeah and we went and had a drink and then we went to see inland empire and justin Thoreau read these words that have hung over my desk oh from the Upanishads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so there's your desk. It's a beautiful desk with my desk. endless shit on it. There's so much shit on it. Mm-hmm. What did, what did uh, handsome Justin Thoreau read? Oh, he's handsome. Um, we are like the spider. We weave our life and then move along in it. We are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives in the dream. This is true for the whole universe. I hope you have a good experience. That's a really good thing to say about Inland Empire and David Lynch's work, and that's also a really good thing to say about L.A. It is the dream, and I am the dreamer who has lived within it. Um, what would you say is sort of the most dreamy moment of your L.A. tenure? Um, you know, I can think of lots of individually dreamy moments, like... Many times that I've gone up to the Griffith Observatory, especially at sunset or after dark, and stood and looked out at the city and these veins of light that run up and down the main thoroughfares. Something I used to do with Tice when we were first together. We'd get donuts and coffee and do that. And then Malibu. I mean, I think when I think about dreamy moments, I think about when I was first here and everything was impressing itself on me and making it mine because I had been here many times before. But to learn the space, when you're a visitor to a place, you are only moving around in the, the template that's laid out for you by your host, and you don't really apprehend it. And so when I started to apprehend the space, why are you laughing at me? I'm laughing at, at my own, like, thinking about, you know, you only go in the template of your host and thinking about, like, my first walk. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. That means a lot. I, I'll let you finish, and okay. then I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Um, but, yeah, like, that first couple months i was living out here i love to drive out to malibu and malibu can be a horrible place to drive to traffic is terrible but for whatever reason probably because i've been lucky to not have to be in the car at really high traffic times consistently in my years here 
I, um, I have always just loved going out and the sense here that you can just go and go and go and get there. And there were these drives early on when it was raining and to be driving in the rain and the mist and the cold out to Malibu. And then there's just like this weird place that should be a resort town, but isn't. And it's kind of like an island and it's so coastal and fraught and can be taken down by a mudslide or a fire at any time. I think a lot of, I think of the vistas. I mean, in the first year I lived here in the spring, 2010, I had this big problem, which is that as I'd be driving north on Hillhurst up from USC, I would see a mushroom cloud, very visible, a mushroom cloud over the Griffith Park Observatory. And it was this horrible, apocalyptic anxiety that was everywhere. And some of it had to do with what was going on in my life. You know, I didn't know uh, when Tice would be able to come back to the States. He had just left, and that everything with his immigration was unsure. And then Ayafiel of Yokel, the Icelandic volcano, erupted. That's a good pronunciation. Can you say it for us one more time? Ayafiel Yokel. Wow. Yeah, no, no one can say that. Because I, I would say like Ijekagalafor or something like that. Have you seen the supercut of of newscasters just, just like, <laughs> just saying, yeah, fuck that. Like, I'd gotta gotta, I'd a few da. Um, yeah. Well, I obviously wouldn't know how to say this if I didn't have a Scandinavian to train me. Well, Ayafiel Yokel erupted, and um, I was just like, wow. You know, when my beloved left the United States, I thought, there's no way that planes won't be able to cross the Atlantic. Like, that could never happen. That's a stupid fear. And then it happened. Yeah. But, you know, there's something restorative in the apocalyptic landscape of California. My therapist said, I was like, look, I keep seeing this mushroom cloud. It's freaking me out. And she said, what if you could just pull back and realize that it was a scene you were watching in a movie? And to think about the fact that I was looking at the LA skyline, which has been so abundantly destroyed on screen. And that indeed I have always been very visually impressionable at eventually I, it did stop happening and I could pull back and see it on a screen. Do you think like, I'm hearing that your anxiety was basically caused by movies. Mm, it's more that my, my visual memory is so strong that I keep a file unwittingly of disturbing images and feelings that my brain then just retrieves at a moment's notice when I need to feel bad. I see. Which is, uh, which is a go-to for both of us. Yeah. Um, I was laughing earlier. I, I love the idea of sort of being at the mercy of your, your host's uh, template. Or is that what you yeah, said? Yeah. Uh, and just like... I think that I actively try to fight that, mm -hmm. like, and I actively tried to fight it during this trip, um, when I like took a walk when you and Tice were out, and uh, this particular area is not walkable at all. Like, uh, you know, I should have turned, uh, I should have turned left out the door or on on Franklin. I should have turned left mm. on Franklin. Well, it's interesting you say that because my favorite thing about living in this area has been how walkable it is compared to other parts of LA. So that's fine, but like, <laughs> you know, so it, it, if it is, if this is the most walkable area, so we had like, it was 90 degrees, Yeah, uh, it smells like baking piss, there's poor people without homes, you know, shuffling around, like trying to like stay alive in the like punishing heat, primarily under the overpass, uh, no one is out. Uh, I went down to Hollywood and Vine, where there's, like, all these, like, tourists sort of, like, loafing around, like, trying to 
It's pretty bleak. Trying to, I don't know, catch a glimpse of God knows what. Like, no one knows where to look. I mean, they look down on the ground where the stars are. But, like, there aren't that many people. There's a lot, a lot of cute, like, bars and stuff on yeah. La Coenga or yeah. Coenga Boulevard, is it? Yeah. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, God, okay, I walked far enough this way. And then I walked north. Uh, but there's no, like, place to cut in, really. Like, mm. things aren't really blocky per se, like as you go up toward the Hollywood Hills. And so I was just sort of on this endless death march until like I finally found a place to cut in and then there's some beautiful homes. And But like... It's a very dichotomous scene out here. It's true. I mean, it's just... And it's... it's I think it was so hot mm. that that was, that was hard to, to reckon with. But I, it was definitely born out of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to like get my own bearings and like make right. my own experience, which was horrendous. And I would have probably done better by you know asking where you should go yeah well you know it's an interesting thing about space i mean i have loved few things in my life as much as i have loved that sense of making a place known to me yeah and one of the reasons why it's often really rejuvenating for me to travel alone to something like a residency is because that's like an unwritten map you know, and you develop your little routines and mm-hmm. your places that you go if you're in a place for a little while. Yeah. And by the time you leave, you know that corner of it. And I've had the experience a few times of going to a place that maybe I went to for the first time alone and then being with either someone I bring with me or people there and that space dramatically changing and mm. taking on a different shape. And I've also... Now, I mean, I haven't been back to New York in a while, but every time I've been back, it has been more and more foreign to me. Yeah. And with Chicago, where I'm from, the whole time I lived in New York, I mean, I lived in New York six years. I was, I mean, you know this, I was so connected and attached to Chicago. I would never stay in New York for the summer or through the winter. Yeah. And um, I prided myself in those years and still knowing, you know, what restaurants were good and what cool things you could go do. And I have to say, when I go home now, I have no clue. Um I mean, I rely a lot on my parents, um, and there's also kind of a a dense social complex there because over the years I've gotten worse at worse at seeing my friends who live in Chicago, and I have a lot of guilt around that um, because it doesn't come from a lack of love. It comes from this sort of deeply complex dance between my parents and myself where we all become a little housebound and obsessed with each other in the time that I'm there. But, um, you know, space is always changing. And just like people, the illusion of stability is an illusion that we engage in to feel comfortable. Um, you know, I just came back from like a month up in Mendocino and Fort Bragg, which is a place that has been really, really sacred to me since I went there for the first time in 2011 on our honeymoon. And so I went there and we, we drove that our, my honeymoon was we drove from Los Angeles to Eureka and we stopped in Big Sur and then the next day we drove well we spent two nights in Big Sur and then we we drove to Fort Bragg and I always remember that drive between Big Sur and Fort Bragg is just like like someone cracking open my chest and like like showing me my own heart like I, I could not believe this landscape it was it was pure Tolkien but I mean I don't even feel that deeply about Tolkien I, I like Tolkien but I mean I don't he, he's not he's not my childhood lodestar it was just the craziest landscape I'd ever seen and um so then I found myself impelled back over and over again. I went back in 2012 to do this writing conference, and I won an award and got a scholarship, and so it felt very much like, yeah, this is a thing to do. And I remember 
that was also the same time that I was teaching at the summer camp at Stanford. And I was so broke that like when they gave me the award and the scholarship for the conference, that was like the money that I had to put in my bank account. I had like no money. And that was like a moment where I was like, wow, I'm really a writer. I remember quoting Bolaño in my acceptance speech, um, his line about like putting it together from these small regional literary prizes like a buffalo soldier i'm not sure he really knew what a buffalo soldier was no no i'm not a buffalo soldier i'm sorry an, like an indian hunting a buffalo or something i love that line um but it also reflects a lot of lack of knowledge on bolaño's part about indians and buffalo um but and then i guess i did wasn't there between 2012 and 2015 and then they invited me to come back as faculty and when i came back to the writers conference as faculty then I think that's when the space started to take on a different permutation for me because now I had like stayed in various different places in this space and I had I started to meet people and really have like a deep social connection to the area and so this time that I went back I mean on the one hand it's still a huge exploration and I stayed in these various homes as house sits and things like that but the more people you know in a place the more known it seems and so what's always drawn me is this like crazy wild landscape and these crazy microclimates and yet now it has become also an intimate landscape and there's a lot of pleasure in that and there's also kind of a a slight air of of tension because you fear the loss of the wildness and the mystery but I mean I don't think that place could ever lose its wildness and mystery for me especially since there's like everywhere else in the world so many new places to see all the time it's interesting. Like I, I would never think a place could be tamed. Like I, mm. I, I don't know. I, I, that is not. I don't share that fear. I don't think that it can be tamed. I mean, L.A. in my life here has never been tamed. Chicago is not tamed, and I um, am of it. New York certainly. I feel like New York and I were like, eh, all right, buddy. Well, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you, you didn't lose any. Uh... Any sadness, any tears over New York? I'm mm-hmm. leaving New York. I mean, I was sad. I was really sad to leave my friends yeah. and my life. Yeah. But I, I have to say, no, I have not missed New York, um, which is why we can talk about this because this will come out after it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. But uh, gentle reader, I return to your East Coast. And that is a fraught. That is a fraught thing for me. Yeah. So what's going on? What, what happened to you? Uh. Just, you know, really in, in the time that you've been here in L.A. with me, Ben, and you're leaving this morning, um, on Friday, I got the call that uh, told me I had the position of visiting assistant professor of creative writing at Wesleyan University. And so in five or six weeks, I will be loading it all up and uh, moving to Middleton, Connecticut. Congratulations, Lise. Thank you. It's a big deal. It is a big deal, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and that is as characteristic for me. I have experienced that excitement as in tears <laughs> and fear. No, that's okay. It's not that I'm afraid. I mean, I feel really happy and excited about the work that I'm going to do at the university. I know that I'm going to have, like, great students and great colleagues, and I, it's by far the, the finest school that I've had an opportunity like this at and to, you know, to be able to teach my subject and this really cool two-year position. Um, so it's, that's all unmitigatedly wonderful. And certainly I have had jobs and also been up for jobs where 
it's a lot more complex not that it's bad but it's not unmitigatedly wonderful like what you're being asked to do or what your what your duties are going to be sure but um you know from everything i understand i've never been there middleton is a lovely place and a lot of people really love connecticut my mother was actually born and raised for some of the happiest years of her peripatetic childhood in connecticut not in middleton peripatetic much traveled very restless thank you you know you know my mom's childhood yeah um gentle listener my mother uh the, the short version is before she was 21 lived in south texas paris france new york city chicago and uh bridgeport connecticut and yeah that's all of them um and my grandparents were married and divorced twice to each other before she was 10 it's a so lot. it's a lot so if i have an image of connecticut from like a personal one it's like my mom's happy couple of years in bridgeport when her family was the most together they were ever going to be and playing in the woods and having a beautiful time um and then i guess i have been there not to middleton but i've been there twice with you ben weber oh yeah first in May 2009, with our friend Katie Jarzabowski to see a litter of dachshund puppies in New Britain at her parents' house. And that was that was super fun. We had clam pizza. Yeah, it was really nice. It's delicious. It's great. Um, and then in 2014, you came with me to Yale for my presentation at the meeting for the Society for the Advancement of Scandinavian Studies, which I presented on. It was the Swede then, wasn't it? It was uh, it was Hell on, <laughs> Hell on Wheels, Wheels. Yeah. whiteness. It was my first. That was my first one for for Cess on Hell on Wheels. Oh boy, yeah. Um. So. Hell on Wheels scholar, you are. I mean, Tice has made the joke many times that I am single handedly keeping that show on the air <laughs> through my through your your discourse yeah. and the theory that you're writing. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cozy Zone with Ben Weber. This has been episode 50. Lisa Lacasio in the altar room, side A. Tune in next time for side B. And make sure you check out Cozy Zone in all the places where she lives. That would be benweberprojects.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cozy Zones. Follow me on Instagram at benweberprojects. And, uh, of course, like the Cozy Zone Foundation on Facebook. See you next time.